Please be seated. Good evening to you. Let's turn a couple places uh, tonight. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a famous passage related to the Lord's Supper. And we'll do that with our right hand, and then we'll turn to Proverbs chapter 18 as well. If you're with us this evening and you don't have a Bible, uh, these men are uh, walking up the aisles with Bibles. I'll be happy to give one to you if you will flag them, and uh, they'll have the passage marked within the Bible. And if you don't own the Bible, please make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you um, tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, you'll just hold your place there, put a bulletin in that place, and then uh, we'll, we'll get to it ultimately. And, uh, and uh, first we want to look at a passage in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 18. Um, each New Year's as it passes, because New Year's is a, a reference point each year, you've got... Uh, the leaving behind of, of one thing and the beginning of something altogether new in the form of a year, uh, that reference point that comes into our lives in, in, in that way uh, once a year. And uh, because it is a time of leaving one thing and entering into something new, uh, and there is that uh, significant transition that occurs I always ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that you want me to share with the body um, in, in the light of, of this reference point? And usually uh, he uh, doesn't give me anything. And, uh, but this year I felt Im impressed that he had put something upon my, uh, upon my heart. And it may seem like an odd thing to you initially, but, um, but uh, I don't think it's that odd. Or that obscure, but you can you can judge it for yourself. And I want to look specifically at Proverbs chapter eighteen uh, and verse eight. And uh, uh, Solomon writes, and he says, "The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inner inmost uh, body." I think the New Living Translation is very, very helpful on, on this verse. It translates it this way, rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into uh, one's heart. Now, a poison is defined within our culture as any substance that is harmful uh, to your body. Uh, poisoning statistics are readily available online, like everything is, in, uh, in, in terms of the United States. In 2017, uh, the 55 United States Poison Control Centers uh, provided telephone guidance for nearly 2.12 million human poison exposures. Um, that's a lot of traffic in, in dealing with poison. In the latest statistics on all of this from the Centers for Disease Control, uh, they state that poisoning is a significant problem in the United States and is the leading cause of unintentional injury death, uh, surpassing uh, motor vehicle crashes. And that's a, an astonishing number. Of course, it, it, the poisoning also involves uh, uh, drug use. And and uh, thus, uh, here 
in the keeping of these statistics and the quoting of the statistics, there is the recognition of the physical danger that physical poisoning uh, represents to us. And uh, our culture is uh, careful in this regard. We keep all of our household substances uh, or try to out of the reach of children and uh, medicines, cleaning products, other harmful chemicals beyond uh, their reach. And we do so by uh, child-proofing caps on uh, these different things. We put safety locks upon cabinets that they might get uh, access to, and, and we child-proof and, uh, against the potential of, of accidental uh, poisoning in a lot of ways. Uh, we put carbon monoxide detectors uh, in our home. They're now uh, mandatory within, within homes. If you're going to rent one or you're going to uh, 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 sell one, we wear protective clothing. We even wear masks when we're using cleaners and chemicals. And we go to great lengths individually and as a nation to keep our food supply uh, very, very safe. And if there's even the hint of uh, E. coli or any other kind of poisoning related to uh, our food supplies associated with some kind of meat or vegetable or uh, from a certain supplier, the entire stock of that product from that supplier is taken off the shelves from coast to coast in order to uh, protect the population from the potential of being Poisoned. And of course, we ask ourselves, why do we do that? And all of it is an evidence of the danger that we recognize uh, physical poison to be to our physical health, to our, our physical well-being. But here in Proverbs chapter uh, 18, verse 8, it informs us that not all poisons are physical in nature. Uh, not all poisons take a physical form, but that poisons can also take the form of words. And it teaches us that as a child of God, that we need to take as much care not to allow uh, our hearts and, and our minds and our spirits to be poisoned by words in the form of uh, lies or slander or rumor or hearsay as we take so as to not be uh, poisoned physically. And we can just uh, check our own hearts for whether uh, the, uh, we are as concerned about the one, uh, the second as we are concerning uh, the, the former. And concerning this, I think that one could wish that our culture as a whole and that we individually were as diligent against having our hearts and our minds and our spirits poisoned as we are and not being poisoned uh, physically. And I think that one of the reasons we aren't more careful in this regard is because we don't typically recognize uh, the symptoms that we are being uh, spiritually or emotionally or mentally poisoned as quickly as we recognize the symptoms of when we are being uh, physically uh, poisoned. And if you think that the poison analogy is a little bit melodramatic in, this, in terms of all of this, you shouldn't. The Holy Spirit uses the language Himself in the New Testament in Acts chapter 14 
where we're told that as Paul and Barnabas were ministering uh, in Iconium, uh, that the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So clearly it's possible for a mind uh, to be poisoned. I want to be very, very uh, quick to add here that I am absolutely not addressing a known problem uh, in our church. I am not uh, addressing uh, some specific situation. And I am not intending to use the pulpit to address any of these uh, kind of things that might be uh, directed toward me or toward any pastor, but uh, certainly toward me at any point in time. In fact, uh, the, the potential that anyone would misunderstand that I am trying to put out a fire concerning myself is the, the, the one thing that made me most hesitant to even uh, share this, uh, th this evening. And uh, so none of that is in play. My intention, because I think it's the Lord's intention, is to speak to the privacy of our individual hearts. And not to warn tonight supremely against the speaking of uh, rumors and hearsay and gainsaying and slander, but rather to emphasize the danger of listening to those kind of, of things. And this is a subject that needs to be addressed occasionally, as is evidenced by just the sheer number of verses in the Bible that, uh, that speak to it. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. This kind of thing is a danger to even the closest uh, long-term relationships within uh, our lives. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20, uh, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer, then uh, strife ceases. And so uh, the, uh, the, uh, the danger of the, the, the fire that is, is launched by this kind of thing. Under the Old Testament law, law of Moses in Exodus chapter 23 verse uh, 1, uh, the law of Moses declares, you shall not circulate a uh, false report. And do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not circulate a false report. We go into the New Testament, it's, and it's equally strong. James chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Well, that's saying a lot, isn't it? Uh, in that regard. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who speaks too much. In Revelation chapter 12, we are reminded of one of the uh, most significant and revealing names that is uh, given to the Bible in the entire uh, Bible, and that is that he is the accuser of our uh, of the brethren and uh, and anytime that is going on 
and then, uh, uh, then he is for sure involved. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things that the Lord hates. And that's a very strong word, isn't it? Um, sometimes we can tend to think that uh, God doesn't hate. Uh, he's a God of love, and, uh, and thus he, that makes uh, uh, hating something uh, incompatible with that. Well, you can't be a God of love. You can't be uh, a loving person at all, except uh, uh, that you hate what destroys people and uh, destroys their lives. And so, so there are six things that the Lord hates, yea, seven that are an abomination to him. And then he lists them for us. Uh, haughty eyes of pride, uh, a lying tongue, uh, and hands that uh, shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, and then a a false witness who breathes out lies, and then finally one who sows discord among the brethren. Wow! I don't know how that passage impacted you the first time you ever read it as a Christian. But it's like you're kind of making your way through and okay, all right, he hates cold-blooded murder uh, and and he hates uh, lying and he hates uh, wicked plans and and all. And then you get to one who sows discord among the brethren. And uh, I remember the impact that that had upon me um, immediately that he would put that in in that kind of company. I don't know if you're like me, but I find that I need to be reminded of verses of like uh, like this every so often. It always does me good, and I I do try to be very careful with what I say and what I don't say. But it always does me good to allow these kind of passages to research. Uh, my life for what is coming out of my mouth and, and uh, as well as what I'm allowing into my, uh, into my ears. I think it is very instructive to notice in the Scriptures uh, the great lengths that God Himself uh, goes to in calling on us as His children to establish the truth uh, about anything that we are going to put in the truth category or that we are going to believe. In the Old Testament law of Moses, more than one witness was required in order to establish a fact within a court of law. And if a witness was found to be a false witness, then whatever sentence he was endeavoring to have meted out upon the person he was slandering, then that sentence was to be meted out upon the person who was delivering the false uh, report. And all of that is in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15 to 21. And interestingly, Jesus himself, he quoted that passage in Deuteronomy in in his own defense uh, before the Pharisees who were accusing him, John chapter 8. And he declared, it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Jesus spoke of the importance of establishing facts in terms of what we believe. Famously in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, 
Take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, then tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to heed the church, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. And I think that personally that Matthew chapter 18 verse 15, uh, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him uh, and tell him his fault between you and him alone uh, is certainly one of the most uh, disobeyed scriptures in all of the Bible. I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't the most disobeyed scripture in, in all of the Bible. In other words, Jesus said, when these kind of differences occur within our lives, to simply go to the other person and try and solve it personally and individually between the two of you. And then one or two others are to be brought into the process, not in the case of, you know, bringing in a a couple of mafioso in order to intimidate him into a confession. Sorry if you're Italian. Uh, But really the Scots and the Irish, we were above that kind of thing all through our history. We just... Um, we wouldn't bring anybody. We'd just cut your head off and, uh, uh, and put it on a pike. But, uh, uh, but when the, the one or two others are added now and brought into the situation, it isn't for the purpose of intimidation. Uh, it, is, it was for the purpose of helping to establish uh, the facts so both pe- persons could share their side of the story. And then if the offending party w- re- remained unrepentant and, and it was determined that he was a, 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 an offending party, the only then was the information to be made known uh, beyond uh, those that were involved in the conflict itself, then to the church. In, in Proverbs uh, chapter 18, verse 13, Um, a a famous one and a a needed one. Uh, He who answers a matter before he hears it, uh, it is a folly and a shame to him. In other words, it is foolish to believe anything on the basis of hearing one side of the story. Uh, And if, uh, if we are a person who is prone to do that, it will inevitably lead uh, to shame and to uh, regret. And why is God so specific in his instruction in this regard, in, in terms of making sure that we have, uh, or we're dealing with facts in any judgment uh, that we're making concerning uh, another person? Is because he wants our actions, he wants our thinking, he wants our attitudes toward others to be directed by truth and never by lies and never by falsehoods. But of course, the thing that works against us in, in, uh, today in all of this for us as Christians is just the sheer prevalence uh, of rumor and slander and hearsay uh, that goes on in our nation today. Uh, on all levels, uh, uh, the, these things have reached uh, a level that is uh, absolutely epidemic. And, uh, and, and all of this has just completely become uh, normative for us. There is virtually no negative stigma, uh, no embarrassment attached with engaging in hearsay or slander or in, in gossip. 
And because there isn't, whether we're talking about the entertainment realm, whether we're talking about the business realm, whether we're talking about the political realm, uh, and, and because there is no shame and virtually no restraint, as best as I can tell in this regard, it is one more area in life that we must reject the cultural standard in order to remain biblical as, as a Christian. Uh, the internet, of course, social media are just filled with this kind of thing. Uh, like never before is Mark Twain's quote uh, more true when he said, a lie can travel halfway around the world uh, while truth is putting on its shoes. And uh, that was back when news traveled by horseback or by uh, train, not in the, the, the instantaneousness of, of the Internet. And even as it's represented in mainstream media, I mean, here we have a term now uh, called fake news that has become a part of our vocabulary in the last four or five years. And it is an, a, a term that has come into existence to describe the deliberate disinformation or hoaxes being spread uh, by way of the traditional uh, news media. And I know that some within the news media, they will complain that they're being picked on by virtue uh, of the term, but it never would have stuck except that the magnitude of the existence of fake news uh, required a formal term uh, to describe it. But even in our personal speech, uh, as I mentioned, when I was a child and, and a youth, to be labeled a gossiper uh, would send you walking home from school shamefaced. I mean red-faced. You would, you would dread for the next week uh, coming to school and having uh, to face your fellow students or anyone else uh, that had uh, discovered you to be a, a, a gossiper or a slanderer. But today, of course, there's none of that, virtually none of it. Now it's an art form. And those who have a real knack for it, uh, they can start a blog and they can start making money off of it. And, uh, and the followers and the uh, visitors to the blog will number in immense numbers. Now, positively, uh, what does this kind of environment that we live in as Christians, what does it require of us in order to, uh, number one, not become a merchant in lies ourselves, but uh, more specific for our purposes here tonight, uh, in order not to become a consumer of lies. And, and some very solid biblical uh, instruction on this would include, number one, the importance of recognizing the appeal that rumor and hearsay has to us, uh, how appealing it is uh, to our flesh. And again, that takes us back to Proverbs uh, 18, verse 8. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles or desserts. 
and they go down into the inmost being. And so as wrong and as destructive as gossip is, the old sin nature, I mean, it eats it up like an appetizer, like, a, again, a dessert. And here uh, you have in this proverb the recognition that I am in my old nature, I will be the single greatest obstacle that I will face in remaining poison-free in this regard in my, my life. The second thing that's good to realize is that the importance of really, really, really recognizing and accepting the danger that this kind of thing represents to our lives. That God hasn't filled the Bible with all of these kind of uh, sayings and maxims so that we could look at them and say, uh, something like that ought to be in the Bible. But to realize that he warns us strongly as he does because of, uh, of how dangerous it is. And so our text here in Proverbs chapter 18, it not only speaks of the appeal of tail-bearing, uh, the, the appeal of, of hearsay, but it also warns us of how deeply uh, it will be embedded into our lives. It will go so deep that it will affect our lives, it will poison our minds without us even realizing it. And he is telling us that once these things are allowed into our hearts and our minds, and believed as truth by us that they will then forever have a place in our thinking, our feeling, our assessments of people. They will forever be retained and remembered. I think in a, a good way to think of it as well would be to think of it in terms of technology or computers. And, and all of my friends that, that know I know how to use technology uh, in, in the realm of how much of my brain I use, or we all use, what, 3% or something. So they're mortified that I'm using a technology uh, illustration in all of this. But one great way to think about these ki this kind of thing is to imagine that every time we listen to this, kind of thing, and it is embedded inside of us that it is actually the, the embedding of malware to be installed into our mind. And it will sit there and it will work and work and work, but work so often from such a deep place in our lives that we don't recognize how effectively it, it is poisoning us. A third thing in terms of some biblical instruction is the importance of just avoiding known sources of falsehood, whether it's in the form of a person or in the form of some kind of media or whatever it might be. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be deceived. Good company, or rather bad company, ruins good morals. And it always does. It always will have that uh, effect. Again, in, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. 
A fourth thing that is, is good instruction is to stop uh, any kind of slander or gossip or hearsay that is being introduced into our lives and uh, to rebuke uh, the source of it if necessary. Anyone who begins uh, to speak that kind of poison into our lives and uh, to never be afraid to ask someone how they know that what they're telling you is the truth. What is their personal knowledge of the facts that they are now imparting into the deepest part uh, of, of your life? And if they have no first-hand knowledge, no personal knowledge, uh, but they're communicating now second and third-hand information uh, to you, then to put it a stop to it. To just say something like, uh, that is hearsay, you don't know that to be true, and so I don't want to hear it. I don't want that poison introduced into my mind and into my life, into my heart, into my soul, and my thinking or my feeling or my inner man. I don't want to have to now deal with that in, inside of me now when you don't know that it's true. Another effective way uh, to stop the slander of one person by uh, another is to just simply offer to accompany them uh, to share what they're saying uh, about another person, uh, to share it to the person directly. And uh, rarely does a person uh, take uh, you up on an offer uh, like that. And so that's where the solution to any problem begins. But, but a, a tale bearer and, and someone carrying hearsay is usually not interested in, in a solution. One of the best things I've ever heard in terms of helping me in this regard, in terms of gossip and slander and hearsay, is to realize that if somebody is sharing something with me and I am not a part of uh, the solution uh, to the situation that they are describing to me, then it is gossip and it is hearsay. It is one thing if I'm a part of the solution. If I'm not, then it's always gossip and tail-bearing and a long, slow-working poison is being introduced into my life. Another thing that we need uh, to possess is a needed healthy discernment. And more than ever, uh, a needed healthy uh, distrust or suspicion of anything until you can confirm it to be true. Here's a, here's a, a, a proverb, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15, uh, ready to get poked in the eye? Uh, Solomon's about to do it. Uh, he writes, only simpletons believe everything they're told. Uh, the prudent carefully considers uh, their steps. There's the old saying of when you're listening uh, to somebody who's telling you one side of the story to uh, stand and listen to them with one ear covered. And then when they ask, uh, why are you covering your ear? You inform them that uh, you're saving it to hear the other side of the story. And, uh, and uh, there's, there's great wisdom in that. Again, in the progression in Matthew chapter 18, it is only by talking to everyone who is involved in a situation, and usually only if you get all of them together at the same time, uh, that you have any hope of knowing the truth about anything. 
And, and even then, the truth can, can elude you because people, uh, including myself, we have a propensity, but people have, uh, they are so good at constructing a self-protective narrative about the situation. And uh, as a pastor, I've been in many situations many times where I've had all of the parties in the room and still come away from the situation uh, unable to absolutely be clear about what has uh, happened in, in that, that situation. And, uh, but the greatest uh, damage that slander and hearsay does is not what it does to the individual uh, uh, who hears it, as bad as that is. And that's what we've been talking about so far. You say, well, why are you wasting our time here if that's not the worst case scenario? It, again, the greatest damage that slander and hearsay does is not to what it does to the individual who hears it. Again, as, as destructive as that is, but when it happens to a Christian, and then we don't handle it as Scripture commands, and then it doesn't merely end with us being personally and individually uh, poisoned, but now because we are a member of the body of Christ, we will now bring that poison into His body and into uh, the local church and into the church universal where uh, the damage that is done there now uh, becomes immeasurable. And thus, tonight, I think the Lord wants to just accomplish two things in our lives. And the first thing is, 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 is in terms of what I've entitled the message, is a New Year's uh, 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 cleanse. And I think the Lord uh, wants, first off, is to detox ourselves in this regard as we head into the new year. And to just simply, in the privacy of our own hearts before the Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to purge from our lives anything we believe negatively about another person based solely upon hearsay, based upon second-hand or third-hand reports, or based upon the unsubstantiated claims of one person concerning another. And to stop and just ask ourselves, why, uh, who do we view negatively tonight? Who do we view with suspicion tonight? And if we were forced to admit it, we'd have to admit that it's based solely upon the unsubstantiated report of someone else. And I don't believe that the Lord wanted me to share on this tonight, again to call uh, gossipers and slanders to cease, or to attempt to protect uh, supremely the reputations of people that are uh, regularly destroyed by this kind of, uh, of thing, as important as both of those things are, but rather for the protection of any of us who have been defiled or poisoned in this way concerning others, poisoned by reports that we do not know to be true, and then to recognize it for the dangerous and 
unchristlike thing uh, that it is. It is absolutely malware. And, and you may be doing uh, terrible damage already in terms of decisions you're making on the basis of, of what you have heard that has no basis in fact or reality. Uh, or uh, or uh, the, it, your attitude toward other people that are around you, and I speak to myself as well, and we've developed an attitude toward them, a negative attitude toward them, uh, on the basis of something that we have no confidence is based in uh, truth at, at all, and uh, all of these attitudes and decisions being driven by something that you have been told. And I think the Lord wants to warn us and to rescue some of us tonight who are headed uh, down that path right now. And, and the Lord will leave the 99 to go after the one. Um, he, will, he will do that. And I am uh, convinced that there is some at least small number of us in the privacy of our heart that now decision-making in our life is being driven by something that we do not know to be true and, uh, and because of a poison that has been introduced into our life and it will lead to great damage and even catastrophe. And the Lord is wanting to rescue some number of people in, in that regard. And beyond the, the personal side of, of the consequences of this kind of thing, uh, to also uh, protect us from getting into uh, God's doghouse in terms of Him having to bring chastening into our lives because we're now affecting others of his sons and daughters in one way or another with the malware or the poison that infects us. You say, well, I, but I'm not, I, uh, when I come to church, I don't share it with other people. It doesn't matter. That's good. That's commendable as far as it goes. You're still poisoned. You're still poisoned. You still are not the person that God wants you to be. I am not the person God wants me to be. When I then come together for the assembly of the saints, it affects everybody. It affects the entire uh, body of Christ. And I wouldn't think it strange that with the prevalence of this kind of thing going on in the world and the great damage that is being done all around us in this regard, if the Lord wanted to burn away even the smallest presence of it, with a holy fire tonight, uh, given the threat that it is to the unity and to the health of something uh, that as, is as uh, relationally dependent as this thing called uh, the body of Christ. And then the second thing I think that God wants to bring out of tonight is to just uh, once again to allow uh, God, by His Holy Spirit, to raise a very high and holy standard in our lives, uh, to, to make our standard the standard of Scripture 
for what we will believe to be true in life, what we will accept to be fact in the different circumstances and uh, situations and relationships that we find uh, ourselves in, and to make the standard of Scripture the standard for what we will listen to, what we will believe, what we will allow a uh, place in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits, because if we let it in and it's not worthy, uh, it is not truth, it will influence us. Proverbs chapter 4, 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, The heart is something that must be protected. And it wouldn't surprise me in, in, in this regard when we think about the body of Christ and, um, and I, I try to hear the Lord and then I try to say whatever it is that he, he wants me uh, to say. And certainly there's obviously an element of faith in all of that. But given the culture that we live in and its power to conform everyone, including Christians, it wouldn't surprise me if God would look at his body, the body of Christ, and say, you know, when I come to church, and church is supremely about Him, uh, it is supremely about Him being blessed, Him enjoying Himself. It doesn't seem inconceivable to me that a point could, uh, we could reach a point in this culture where God could say, now when I come to church, Uh, I am in the midst of such a large number of people who are poisoned by this kind of thing, and it's doing great harm to my ability to enjoy uh, the service, but also doing uh, great, uh, great harm to our individual lives and our effectiveness. And for him to look in and say, I want to talk about that. And I want to burn every bit of it away from our lives. Certainly, I want that as a pastor. I want this to be a place where the Lord feels very much at home and very much in control of things and that it it brings Him pleasure. And uh, you know, if you attend Calvary Modesto for any length of time, we don't have a song and a dance. We have nothing going for us in this place. The only hope that we have for uh, what we are and and, and the only hope that we have for our existence and for the future of our existence is that somehow God is pleased to dwell here and confirm His favorable presence upon our assembling together to let people know that uh, He is being honored here and He is able to speak in this place and, and and His presence in its fullness is coveted and that is the only thing that, that keeps this thing going. We have no plan B. We have no other alternative. There is no other uh, plan that we can come up with. And so for it to be a place where he looks and he can come in as he did with the seven churches in the Revelation and say, listen, let me just talk about this. 
And however much it is represented or not represented in, in our midst, to say nothing of the body of Christ as a whole, to allow all of that to be burned off of our lives this evening. I think the Lord's heart is broken uh, over, again, I think it's a, a relatively small number of people that he's speaking to tonight uh, over the fact that awful decisions and awful are being made and awful attitudes toward others are present on the basis of what God knows is not true at all. And that's a good thing to have burned away from our lives. Now, now turn for a moment to, uh, to the 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we mentioned it. And here I just want to read it as a preparation for partaking of the Lord's Supper. And we pick things up in verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. And therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and uh, one is hungry and another is drunk. What? <laughs> Exclamation point there, isn't it? Well, what can he do? There are no emojis. What? Uh, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And therefore, whoever eats this bread and, or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. In other words, whoever partakes of, of the Lord's Supper without a concern for the health of the body of Christ as a whole and a concern to be only a healthy influence within a local church and the body of Christ as a whole. And thus he says, but let a, each, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Speaking of us, the body of Christ. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, which is what we want to allow the Holy Spirit to do tonight, if we would judge ourselves, then we would not be judged. 
But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Uh, But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. And so with that meditation, we'll ask the uh, worship team to come forward and the men to come forward as we prepare now to partake of the Lord's Supper. And uh, as uh, they will pass first, the symbol of Jesus' body, the bread initially, and as that is passed, uh, take uh, the bread, hold on to it, and then we will partake together, pray together and partake together, and we will do likewise uh, with the cup. And so now this uh, time given is in the meditation related to the bread, the symbol of Jesus' body, and, and the, the desire that anything that does not look like Him in, in our lives, and specifically as it relates to what we've been talking to tonight, that that would be completely burned away and uh, cleansed from our lives uh, this evening. Paige, would you lead us? Thank you.